Near the end of Israel's exile in Babylon, God promises to bring them home. They need no longer be afraid because the one who formed, created, and called them by name now redeems them from all their enemies. God loves them, declares them precious and honored, and calls them his own by name. The first reading is from Isaiah, the 43rd chapter. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This is the word of the Lord. In the second reading, we are baptized into Christ. The second reading is from Romans, the sixth chapter. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For we have been united with him in a death like his. We shall certainly be with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the third chapter. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod, the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, he added this to them all, 
that he locked up John in prison. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of our Lord. Mentioned this at the 8 o'clock service that this topic can be and has been a source of controversy, severe controversy, for about the last 450 years. We went about 1,500 years without too much, but after the Reformation and the, and the break loose of things in Northern Europe, it became very problematic. And so to go to a place that's troublesome, we talk about baptism, what it means, and all the divisions in the world, I thought, well, if we're going to talk about something like baptism, you might want to have some fun doing or have a joke. So I'm going to start our time off with a joke. Please hear it as a joke. Don't take any offense at this. It's just supposed to be some kind of fun. So here it is. I'm walking across a bridge. It's late in the evening now. And as I'm walking across the bridge, I notice a man that he's standing there. He's standing on the edge, and it looks like he's about to jump. It wouldn't have been a good outcome to the jump. So I ran up and I said, Sir, sir, you got to stop. Don't do it. He looked at me. Well, why shouldn't I do it? I said, Well, there's, there's so much to live for. He said, like what? Well, I said, uh, are, you, are you religious or are you like an atheist? He says, I'm religious. I said, me too. Are you a Christian, a Buddhist, uh, an Islamic? What, what faith or what kind of religion are you? He said, I'm a Christian. I said, me too. Are you a Catholic or are you a Protestant? He said, Protestant. Well, I said, me too. Are you, are you a, a Lutheran? Are you a Baptist? Are you a Methodist? Are you a Seventh-day Adventist? What are you? He said, I'm a Baptist. I said, wow, me too. And he said, and then I asked him, I said, are you a Baptist Church of God or a Baptist Church of the Lord? He said, I'm Baptist Church of God. And I said, oh, amazing. Are you an original Baptist Church of God or are you the Reformed Baptist Church of God? He said, Reformed Baptist Church of God. And I said, me too. And he said, and I asked him, I said, well, are you Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation 1879? Or are you Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation 1915? He said, Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation 1915. I said, die, heretic scum. And I pushed him off the bridge. baptism heretics gosh intense god's children in the last 450 years have gone to war tremendous war with each other over this topic of baptism houses and communities have been divided there has been much judgment rejection mistrust over something that was intended by god is a most beautiful gift so this pastor, today, I am not going to spend a whole lot of time going over the debates and the challenges and enter that warfare turf. I'm just nervous about doing that. If we want to do that in a Bible study or a pastor's class or, you know, we got a couple hours to maybe talk about it and work all the way through so we don't leave grumpy, we'll talk about it, but not in 15 minutes. So instead, we're going to look at a Bible lesson, hopefully in a way that just about anybody who looks at Jesus as baptism could look at it 
and find joy and encouragement in, in, in vision for their future. So we're going to start with that. To get there, what helped me, and hopefully will help you as well, there was a movie, um, it's a while back, so it dates me, but it's called, the name of it is Dances with Wolves. If you haven't seen the movie, I recommend it. It's a long movie, but I think you'd you'd find it worthwhile. It's not necessarily a happy movie, but it's just a good movie. All right, so it's produced. In that movie, there's a Union soldier. He's a decorated Union soldier. He was a leader in combat. He was a, a, a man that stood amongst men. It was during the Civil War time. So following that, he was relocated by this Union army to a station that was on the frontier. It was where the savages are. It was a dangerous assignment. He would be alone. Well, in time, this noble white soldier is befriended and adopted by a wolf. Hence, he dances with wolves, what the Indians call him. But more than that, he's adopted by the Plains Indians. It's beautiful people. The noble Indians, they're adopting the soldier. He's adopting them. It's a beautiful relational transformation that's taking place before the movie watcher's eyes. There becomes, it comes alive a deep mutual respect and a deep mutual love. Then there's inevitable struggle of which the Indian nation's existence is going to be threatened. We all know the history of these things, but in the movie, they don't know what's coming. They're, the soldier knows that there is an imminent approach. He knows the soldier's going to, an imminent approach of millions of European peoples that will sweep their land. Well, I want you to have envisioned this morning with that stuff in mind is the last scene from a movie. They've gone through some of the struggles of finding the the bison and hunting. They've gone through the struggles of of becoming friends and bringing cultures together and trust. They've gone through all of that. In the end of the movie, there's a departure. A strong, um, noble Indian warrior, a leader, who once mistrust and disliked this soldier, has now become his brother. And as he's leaving, no one else really knows in the, in the community, but it's a small piece. Um, the, Amer- the, the American soldier, the European soldier, Union soldiers are going to be leaving. Now, before that happens, um, we, the, the setting of this is in their winter sanctuary. And their winter sanctuary is in the mountains. And there's one entrance in, it's a, like a valley that cuts through and there's canyons on both sides. So because the impending danger is coming, the Union soldier says goodbye to his family and he goes out to confront that on behalf of his new family. He says goodbye to a couple of people and then him and his wife get on their horse and they start leaving their new family to confront what's approaching. And as they're walking um, out or they're riding their horses out, um, you know, you see the horses stomping through the snow and the, the, tr- the leafless trees on both sides and the snow's kind of coming there. It's early in the morning. The village is kind of asleep, but they're kind of waking up and the kids are starting to play and they're cooking some food and gathering wood. They're just doing the little morning chores. And as he's leaving, there's a, there's a sound and he recognizes the sound. Before he was to go, his brother, the one that had become like his brother, he had left the camp And he had gone up the mountain on the climbable side. And now he is on his horse on the edge of a cliff overlooking the place where the soldiers got to depart. And he raises his spear 
And with tears in his heart, because you can tell in the voice, he shouts words of farewell to his brother. He says, dances with wolves. He's shouting this. It's echoing across the valley underneath. Dances with wolves. I am wind in my hair. Do you see that I am your brother? Dances with wolves. Can you see that you will always be my brother? He's saying this in the native Indian language. The Union soldier and his wife, part of the tribe of the family, they keep going out to this man shouting as a warrior on his horse for his brother. It's a message that pours out from that strong, noble, fierce warrior man. It comes out from his being. It's a message not only for the Union soldier, now this fan, his brother, it's not just for him, but it's for everybody to hear and to remember and to cherish. It's a message and it is a gift that will empower his beloved future, his brother, as he engages an unknown future. Many of our Bible lessons were delivered potentially in similar context. Delivered with strength. Sometimes delivered with anger. Sometimes delivered with love, but just power and passion. Delivered. Some Bible lessons were shouted by the prophets for all of the people to hear. A lot of times in churches nowadays, we, we talk kind of soft and kind of timid and we, we don't get just kind of rawness. But that's not how it was always given powerfully delivered they were delivered in times of transition times of uncertainty and times of change times when the relationship needed to remain strong and clearly understood the prophet isaiah spoke so that the people would know who god is and remember people of of isaiah spoke to that he shouted so that they would remember who they were and whose they were that they would remember the truth of God and the way of heaven regardless of the trouble that was about to come them. Because after Isaiah, trouble came. Trouble came. Listen to Isaiah's words. They were delivered to the people of God on behalf of God and potentially you can almost imagine warrior cold, spear in hand on a mighty horse shouted for all to hear. Isaiah said for God, he said, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. You, I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You are precious. You are honored in my sight, and I love you. That's what God said to the people from a place of heaven to a prophet as they go forward into some hard times. Now, think about the baptism, the, the, the Bible lesson, the New Testament lesson, the baptism lesson, and think about it in similar fashion. Similar fashion as is in the movie, as in the prophet Isaiah, in his strong words, and now in the baptism. Forget the endless debates about what baptism is and how humans have wrecked each over a topic that was supposed to be a gift for the last 450 years. Instead, 
think about what it would have been like to see a small flowing river going through the Israeli mountainside or hillside, the Jordan River. Semi-arid hills, both sides, rocks everywhere, river flowing. People are approaching this river where John had been. He's not there. He had been arrested. But they're still coming to that place. People are also departing and going back to the city. Some are entering the water and they're ritually washing. They're asking God for forgiveness and renewal. They're going through that ritual washing and baptism. Some might be lying and drying in the sun. Some are praying. Others talking. Most are wondering. Jesus is in the middle of this. An ordinary man to them at this point. He's entering the water as those around him have been has done. He's baptized, he's ritually washed, and in that place he is praying. And then, and then, here comes the powerful voice of God the Father, not from a mountaintop, not from a cliff's edge. No, it's from heaven itself comes the voice of God. He's shouting, he's declaring, he's announcing, he's encouraging. It's all powerfully being done from heaven. Why? After 30 years, the time has come. The time has come. He's going to leave Nazareth as that person. And he's going to begin something as a new. This pinnacle moment in in the time is a stage for this powerful declaration. It is a naming. And it is a claiming. It is a blessing. And it's of encouragement and direction and purpose. All which baptism is for us. A cosmic life and death struggle and outcome is now in the hands of the Son of God, Jesus. And before that struggle begins, God the Father, from the heights of heaven, His power, His Spirit, His voice, they're heard. You are my Son. You are my Beloved. With you, I am well pleased. After 30 years, Jesus is about to enter the wilderness. That's what happens next. For 40 days, he'll have a trial and temptation like few others, like no others have ever successfully completed. After that, he's going to begin his father's mission and ministry project that has been set up for all the history going back to Genesis. Jesus will confront the world's systems of ugliness. He will confront demonic forces. He will confront human suffering, often inflicted upon ourselves or upon one to another. He will confront sin. He will confront his journey to a cross. He will confront their death. And he will do that work alone because almost, well, because all of the mortal friends around him will have failed him, have left him, or somehow know they don't get it and they are not helpful. He does this alone. But not alone. He remembers his baptism every day. Before all that happens, before he begins that ministry, he experiences a message that pours out from his father's being. It's a message for all to hear, for all to remember, for all to cherish. It's a message and a gift to empower his beloved son for his future. Coming back to our ending. In the Dances with Wolves movie, the Union soldier now 
Plains Indian man named Dances with Wolves. His new brother is on the top of the hill watching his other brother walk out from his people for the last time. And as he's watching this and tears in his heart because he's saying goodbye, he's going to give him his very best gift. He is shouting for the world to hear on his horse, spear in hand, the warrior, the leader. You are my brother. You are my brother. Isaiah. To the Old Testament people, to all those who followed Isaiah's shouts on behalf of God, he stands in front of the people, arms reaching out to them perhaps. Fear not, says the Lord. I have redeemed you. This is 750 years before Jesus redeems on the cross. God's already saying it's happened. I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. To the whole people. To us. Isaiah speaks. And then in the book of Luke, at the baptism, while Jesus is praying, the Father from the heights of heaven says for the world, You are my child. You are my beloved. With you I am well pleased. We've heard the words. As a church, it's time now that we go forward. That we will pursue God's plan for our lives and for the lives of this congregation, the lives of people in northwest Arkansas, and lives of the people around the world. God's plan for the lives. That we go forward facing every day the best and the world worst that the world might throw at us, but we will face it with God and the remembrance of who is what He said to us, that we are His. The mission of God has been unchanged. And it's not for us to change. That we will focus on the way, the truth, and the life as presented through Jesus Christ, His Son. We will focus on Jesus. That we will live holy lives with our revealed God. And then we will invite everybody that we come in contact to to join us on our path towards heaven and home. God help us be that church. Amen. We pray together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. In the waters of baptism, we were made God's children and called to serve one another as we have been served by Christ. Therefore, let us pray for one another and for all people who will not or cannot pray for themselves. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that in your mercy you brought us to baptism. Thank you for our parents who brought us up in the faith and to baptism. Thank you for pastors, teachers, 
and other people in our lives that you have used to bring us the gospel. Lord, in your mercy. God of hope and fear, you walk with us through the challenges which surround us. Wash away our anxiety by your promised presence and set us free from despair. Lord, in your mercy. God of health and illness, there is nothing that separates us from your love. Bring your health to the sick, your encouragement to the discouraged, and your promise to the dying. Today we remember Jeff, Jody, Carol, Mary, Bill, Jack, Lori, Bob, Dallas, Herb and Christine, Linda, and the family and friends of Mike, and those we name in our hearts. That their suffering be relieved, their sorrows be comforted, and their hearts know the fullness of your peace. Lord, in your mercy. Blessed Savior, you have made your church to be the home of all people. Our reason and purpose as your church is to know you and then make you known. As we worship and pray, please call to mind the name and face of someone specific. Who you may reach through us. Lord, lay some soul upon my people, our heart and soul, love and soul, me. And may I ever do my part to win that soul for you. Amen. And Heavenly Father, especially we pray for that person that came to mind, the one who needs you the most or the one who thinks they need you the least. Lord, use us according to your holy will that they and all people may come to know you. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. 